All right, welcome back to Everyday People Elite Conversations. Marcus, who have we got today? Well, Sean, uh, Sean McCurdy, gym owner, Elevate98, most of you might have heard. He, um, I, I won't go too far into it, but he's, he's played football, you know. Tried my best, not, <laughs> not too successfully, but tried. 24 years old, been there, done it, um, very mature individual. And hopefully we get a good insight into you know how he's made a career in football and now transitioned into a gym owner uh, 24 years old so hope everyone enjoys the next hour or so with you sean no it's a pleasure to be here i've listened to a couple of episodes already so looking forward nice. to getting into it so first um little bit when we dive in we're going to talk about your early life uh, shock <laughs> <laughs> we're going to ask uh, what makes you click? Um, what did your mum and dad do at such a young age that you know got you into football at such a young age? Was it did, when you're a late bloomer? Did you start you know in secondary school, or was it something that you grew up young age, baby kind of thing? Football was the one, no other sport, nothing else. Um, so yeah, go on, uh, give us a little bit of an insight. So probably not that traditional, I suppose. Um, in that. I started playing football when I was six, seven, but it was very much a recreational hobby. Played in the street and stuff. Um, joined Hutchinson Vale, my local boys' club, and to be honest, I was into it the same way most kids are. But nothing crazy. I wasn't that good. Nothing spectacular. Played at school and stuff, and really enjoyed it without ever being anything spectacular at all. And it was probably when I was about eleven, twelve, so relatively late bloomer to to some people that it really went to the next level. It was just at Hutchie Vale that I was at. I was actually in the Colts team, so I was in the second team, wasn't even making it into the first team. And it was one sort of Christmas break that my mum and dad have never in my life put any pressure on me with anything. Everything's been, you go your own way, you make your own decisions. We're not going to force you down this path. We're not going to force you down that path. But my dad kind of said to me, well, you can't moan about not being in the first team if you're not going to do the work for it. And for a relatively young age, that, stuck with me quite a lot and went quite a long way and at that point for good or for bad I had decided that I wasn't actually that good at football so that to make it I needed to do all the extra little bits that no one else did I was going to do them better than everyone else and um, that probably a bit of fortune coincided with the time I went to secondary school uh, and I was part of the sort of pilot program for Broughton High School's football academy so I was very fortunate to get football as a subject so we got to miss home economics science all that kind of stuff I know so it was, I <laughs> sweet, it was a sweet well that's why I can't cook now but it was a, a sweet deal at the time and that probably gave us an insight into not what the life of a footballer was like but the sort of professionalism aspect training during the day then training with our clubs at night mm -hmm. and I just sort of had a bit of a rapid ascent from there between that age of maybe 11 12 hitting that realization to 13, 14, it was just kind of up, up, up. I was very fortunate that because I was at Hutchie Vale, I was able to go and train at a lot of other clubs, went to Celtic, Hearts, went down south to Man United, Liverpool, Ipswich, stuff like that. So got a lot of exposure to those sort of... What age was this at? All between the ages of sort of 12 and 14. So the way it works, without going into too much boring detail, because we weren't signed on professional terms to a club, because I was at a boys' club, there was no tie that meant we could go and train with all these clubs and we had a pretty pretty good team so there was naturally scouts that took an interest and stuff like that so it gave me a bit of exposure to quite high performance environments for that age and that just sort of fueled that fire of like hang on a minute this is like really what i want to do i was getting to see the sort of first year pros as such at these clubs go into the gym in the morning go and train go and do recovery stuff after and it was just very much the lifestyle i wanted i think also it probably made you realise the cutthroat mentality of it as well because 12 to 14 you're still probably learning you're still a bit naive and in that, in that age bracket you're like world's your oyster until you get rejected from one of the clubs and it could you know you've not probably learned from life experience at that age so it could knock you back it could affect your confidence it could affect you on the pitch so you know it's a big thing you know, it's ma massive thing so it's probably something we'll come on to later that, yeah. that I never had the experience of dealing with that but I was a very sort of switched on kid and stuff like that but I didn't ever fully comprehend that that 
I was the sort of quote unquote golden boy at that age, like playing for Scotland youth teams, every club in the country wanted me. I didn't fully realise that, hang on a minute, when I go into these clubs, whose position am I taking? Who was the ex-golden boy that's now getting bumped out of the way that when I eventually then went and signed for Hearts, you know, 20s debut at 14, trained with the first team when I was still at school, all that stuff. It's great when it's you, but then you don't realise that you're knocking someone off that perch, which meant as I grew up, I never had too much experience off that rejection as such. But also as well, like, the pressure's there, so <laughs> yeah, it, com- it comes with pressure. And I mean, when you're that age, you probably don't realise it until now. Yeah, you're like. I was gonna ask that. Like, did you did you feel the pressure at that age, or is it more when you get a bit older, you're like, wow, actually, that was quite a lot. <laughs> probably a bit of both, to be honest. That mm. at that age and even older, my life revolved around football. I never touched alcohol till I was eighteen. Like, I never went to any house parties at school. Like. Looking back, I probably missed out on quite a lot of different parts of my childhood. I think the pressure started... Childhood drinking. Yeah, that, that's <laughs> it. I didn't, didn't ever get that. So I'm 15, 15 out in the park. I, I missed miss those days. But I think the big pressure probably for me came more so when I went to Hearts and stuff that at that stage, I was maybe 15, 16, I was old enough to realise that I was the sort of target and I probably felt the pressure more from other people at that point then trying to take my place or like having to live up to these expectations where you're getting talked about all the time and it's like oh right okay now I need to actually live up to this or people are going to start that's it exactly and as you'll have seen in football and in other sports as well it's so cutthroat that that's not a long process from being top of the pecking order to down so it's not like it takes years to happen it's two bad games and you could be the one that's struggling yeah that's it It, it's very very quick so I definitely did realise the pressure and I felt it in moments but it's probably only now looking back you can see just how much pressure it actually was for a young age nice so that's a good round up I would say of a good summary of the, yeah, of the younger stages so if we fast forward to what made you stop or that, that point which, which you went right that's probably football done was it forced was it a decision that was out of your control Talk us about that, because then we can delve into it. So it was probably a case of jumping before I was pushed kind of thing, um, because made my debut for Hearts, all that kind of stuff, it then got released pretty quick. So as we spoke about, within seven months of going from starting in the SPL to being released is a pretty quick turnaround in, sort of even in football terms, it's quite quick. That's quick. How old were yeah. you then? So I was 17 at this point. Um, so it was like... It, it was that thing, although I was like a well-rounded kid and my mum and dad had prepared me as best they could, mm. there is nothing that probably prepares you yeah, from yeah, yeah. you're playing against Everton and then six months later you can't get a club. And it was a very, very quick sort of swing. And I think after that I ended up having a really, really bad summer after I got released, more so being let down by agents, clubs and stuff like that in terms of finding a new club, finding the right fit and stuff wasn't anywhere as near as easy as I kind of expected it to be. It was a lot more difficult for a variety of reasons. And I think, although my attitude to the outside at that point was still spot on, I still did all the extras, I still did all the gym work, I think probably deep down in my head, I knew I'm never going to hit that point again. That Like, that was probably the pinnacle playing for the team I grew up supporting and stuff like that. And even though I wasn't consciously thinking that, I think I probably knew deep down, okay, is it ever going to get as good as that? Then injuries kick in, stuff like that. So then the year later when I got released off Hamilton, I did have options to stay full time, but I knew I was basically pushing the boat just a year down the line to making a bigger decision and that it was going to come sooner rather than later. And also career-wise, like, let's be honest, you're not, unless you're playing for Celtic or Rangers, and for people listening... But isn't still not, you know, you hear footballers on TV that are getting paid hundreds of thousands. <laughs> Celtic and Rangers is max 30k. It's, it's not. You know, and it sounds like, yes, it is a, a lot, lot of money, money yeah. but in oh, football terms, yeah. it's, it's just not. It's not. Um, and then when you just go down the pecking order, some footballers are making, you know, in the second league, like less than a grand a week, yeah. less than 500 quid a week. Oh, yeah. You know, and, and it's, it's like, can, I make, job, yeah. can, yeah, can I make scary. a living from that? So well, that, that was probably that's like, something else that you probably had to consider. The like. financial bit of it was that when I was at Hamilton, the last few months of the season, I was on loan at Berwick Rangers, mm-hmm. who at the time were League Two. 
and I sort of got to know a few of the boys, got quite close with them, speaking to them. Berwick quite liked me, they offered me a deal and stuff. And at first I was like, well, I'm not going to go to Berwick. I've been on the bench for Hamilton in the SBL. I'm not going to drop to re-league. And then I just sort of, out of courtesy, spoke to them. And they offered me more money than I was on at Hamilton to be a part-time player. And I was like, so hang on a minute, I could go and get a job, work five days a week, earn a salary, and get more money. <laughs> and it was like, yeah, and I thought, well, this must be some sort of exception. And then speaking to a lot of boys, it's it's the way it works at lower league clubs. It's not more money, but because you've got a job, it works out as sort of more money. Whereas, as you say, unless you're at the sort of top two, three percent in Scotland, the money in football isn't a lot. And I think probably the biggest thing I found really tough to deal with that was the final nail in the coffin for my decision to give up full-time football was I'm someone who struggles a bit with uncertainty that's out with my control mm-hmm. and because in football it's all year-to-year contracts you're only ever sort of six months from being mm-hmm. out of a job that when you sign for a club in the summer in January you're six months away from not getting your contract renewed and then you just go through that cycle again and there's just no sort of continuity to it there's no career path as such where okay like I've got a bit of security here I can invest everything in it it's like well I don't want to invest that much in it because I might be gone in six yeah, months yeah, and yeah. you just don't know what the story is mm-hmm. but it sounded like it was a good round up but it sounded like it just petered out it was like in it didn't feel that at the time obviously but the more I look back on it it was pretty quick where yeah. it, it sort of not died out but it was like it just it, it, it I'd made quickly. that decision and yeah. I think I even knew a lot earlier than I made the decision I think just one of those things that mum and dad and grandparents had drove me around for years before they came and supported me you almost don't want to give up on that dream especially because I felt like it would make me look like I was quitting or taking the easy yeah, way out yeah, and it's yeah, like yeah. oh he's been released now he's just given up on it which isn't how it was so I think I actually probably knew even quicker than I did make that decision but held on for those kind of reasons yeah so like subconsciously, I mean, you're thinking like, is that the right route? And then all of a sudden, bang, it's done. Yeah, and and I, I, I think that's because it had been in my head for a little while, mm-hmm. it made the decision quite quick because it wasn't like mm-hmm. it just came out of the blue that I thought of this. It's like I've had this in the back of my mind for a while. And then just circumstances aligned, I mm-hmm. went back to train at like my sort of local <coughs> club almost at the mm-hmm. time really enjoyed it they offered again a decent bit of money and i started my personal trainer qualification at the same time so it just was like the stars have aligned that i can go and make a go at this have a career mm-hmm. i'll probably be earning a lot more money even as like a trainee pt so it, it all kind of worked out to, to start it well, it sounds like you've done a lot in a very short <laughs> space of a lot in. so like fast forward to the pt yeah um what age was that at that you started to pick that up because that's effectively we've gone through you know, the stages of your life, you've gone through young life, which was the football, kind of your professional football later on, and you finished football at what age? So it was 19. 19. So, 19. so again, you're still a kid, you know, you're not <laughs> yeah. exactly, you know, you're still yeah, yeah, up, you know. PT started at what, 19? Yeah, so <coughs> the summer I left Hamilton, I signed up yeah, to nice. the PT course there. I think my mum's probably always known me quite well and I think she got a picture clearer than anyone else that I was having my doubts about football yeah. so as soon as that happened at Hamilton she offered to very kindly pay half my personal trainer course which meant that was the push I needed and I did a sort of full-time intensive one so it was like five weeks to like get under the skin of this and I thought that obviously taught me everything I ever needed to know which <laughs> wasn't the case but it was a good introduction because you know even now God we run one we've mm-hmm. put our staff through them the part-time PT courses, whether the course is great or not, but it's good because people can do it alongside full-time jobs and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. But I think for me, that's probably exactly what I needed, that it was a new focus. It was like mm. nine to five every day, you're kind of thinking about this. And then I went back to enjoying football because at that point it was almost like the escape from you train two nights a week, you play on a Saturday once you've done your day's work kind yeah. of thing. So <laughs> it was like going to more of a hobby again. Yeah, that, that's it. It was going back to like actually... like. <clears throat> It wasn't a career anymore, it was just yeah, like... Yeah, I think it's yeah. one of these things that you don't realise at the time, and if you asked me, I'd probably say at the time I was enjoying it, but I'm not convinced for the last 18 months I played football professionally, I actually enjoyed Like I, I think you could count yeah, on one yeah. hand the amount of times I thought, I absolutely love this, which yeah. is the whole reason you start it, so it's really, really yeah. strange that it gets to, it that, gets point. to that point. Yeah. And I think, you've all seen as well, in various walks of life, it's so easy for it to happen without you actually noticing it's happening, it's just kind of 
creeping up on you where it's like this is now just a total shift to do this rather than something I look forward to. So that's good that your mum pays for half. Does that mean if you're booming yeah, going can. international, <laughs> she gets half the profit? You know, I think I, I'm sure I've tried to pay her back. I think she said no, but yeah, I'll have to look after her at some point. Good stuff. Well, obviously that kind of kick-started you yep. uh, to where we are today. That's the main thing. Yep. And uh, you obviously liked it enough and it's gone on a decent amount of time for you to make an impact in not just your life, but other people's lives, which is the main thing. Um, fast forward a little bit more from your PT to lockdown. What? Oh, hold on, hold on, hold on. That's a bit too fast. Is it? <laughs> it's a bit. What about like when you first? So like the what was the kind of time in between then between like finishing your PT course and then moving? Like where did you start off doing your PT and then and before we get into lockdown kind of thing? Because I think maybe there's context there's there. That we, yeah. <laughs> but maybe there's I'm not. Gap. Uh, there's not. I'm trying. It must be a couple of years, yeah. Because I was. Because were you not at Nuffield or something? I was at, (laughs) no, God, I'm struggling to remember now. So when I first started, I had basically two jobs Mm -hmm. almost straight after passing, which was like really lucky again to Mm -hmm. to get that. I worked at Exercise for Less at Site Hill, which is now a different gym. Oh, I know. um, I can't remember what's going on. Oh, JD. It's now JD JD Gyms out at Site Hill. So that was kind of your typical employed trainer, take classes, all that kind of stuff, try and build up a PT base. And then, as I'm sure we'll come on to, I also worked at Mike Keatley's personal training studio, which is actually this gym we're sitting in. Um, so that's what oh, this right. originally was. So as a nice quirk of fate, that was my first job. And that was just deliver one-to-one hours. You know, he had excess clients, fit in with that. Did both of them simultaneously for a year or so before kind of realising, okay, this isn't what I want to do longer term. What's the next step? So sort of merged the clients I'd gained from both to go self-employed on my own at Edinburgh Leisure. So I just kind of went to all the leisure gyms, took my clients, did that. Again, I was probably just, at that point, not messing around, but I had 30, 40 sessions a week and it was making me decent money for my age, but I wasn't thinking of it as a career as such. At that point, I still played for Kelly Hearts, semi-pro football, so it was relatively serious. Filling in a gap. Yeah, it really, you know, really that's why it's, it's like, came. it's just doing it, seeing yeah. what happens, um, and at that point I worked in David Lloyd, that's where I was, so I took oh, like yeah. classes and stuff there, and then just before lockdown, I went to a, a couple of seminars and stuff, and it was the first time I'd invested sort of any of my money back in, I thought, you know, I want to try and do this a bit more seriously, and that was probably one of the kickstarters for being like, oh, hang on a minute, there's maybe more to this than I realised, both in terms of a lot of gaps in my knowledge that I don't have, but also this is maybe more of a career than I thought, that when I went to some of these gyms, met some of these people, I was like, hang on, like these people are have made this a job, like they've got loads of people in their gyms, they're doing well, and that was probably the, the sort of Kickstarter where I thought that, so I joined Elysium as a self-employed trainer about six, six eight weeks before lockdown, so I was barely there any time at all before we got to that. So. Again, probably the theme of my story, I suppose, is just managing to cram a lot into small amounts of time. So I think like with football, if you hear this 10,000 hour thing where that's what it takes to become an expert, I probably crammed that for football and PT into a very, very short amount of time because of the amount of hours I was delivering and doing and stuff like that. That's interesting. I think there's probably a lot of like people, or especially PTs and coaches that can relate to what you said about people doing it, maybe not thinking it's a career. Yeah. And I think it also depends on like where you work. And I think if you're like, this is no dig, but like even when I, I was at a pure gym not long after I first started, and like I feel like environments like that, not my one specifically, just in general, yeah. were more, it's easier because there's the turnover of staff is so fast yeah. and people come and go all the time that it's like, it encourages it not to be a career. Yeah. But then when you start maybe mixing with other circles, like when it sounds like when you went to those seminars, you yeah. start to, you kind of you see the potential a bit yeah. more. You're like, oh, the people that put the effort in, yeah, get the result. Get I, the I result. think it's the same as any. It's like yeah. the people you're around. That I think you both probably have been in that situation at different points as well. But I think because I was hard working and stuff, that when I was at these commercial gyms or whatever, I stood out like a sore thumb. And I think that probably a got me some clients, but. Be lured me into the false sense of well I'm doing way more than these people yeah, I am yeah. learning more than that okay it's Instagram whatever it's it's not proper learning and it's only then when you step outside that that you're like oh there's another level to this where I've well, not got anywhere near yet yeah, yeah like you're a product of your environment yeah and totally. like you 
especially now, I don't. I just want to touch on it. Like the people you have at Elevate have all the same vision as you. Yeah. You know, you wouldn't employ someone that isn't on the same um, wavelength as you should just say. So no, that's good. Um, so yeah, lock, yeah lock lo- lockdown. <laughs> lockdown struck after six weeks at least. That was a nice, uh, nice short-lived career there. Yeah, just, <laughs> it was just continuity, it sounds like for you. like You just needed a bit of continuity. And then once you got a grip of it, so the Elevate post-lockdown, it sounded like it just kicked off. But let's talk about lockdown. Let's talk about what what you did during it to get to where you, you know you are post lockdown yep. because where you are now to where you are post lockdown are probably two very, very different, different pictures. Yeah. Um, I think probably one of the things I've always quite liked about PT, especially when I compare it to professional football and stuff, was that I, I would say when I played football, I was always the hardest working. That was always kind of my thing. I was known as great attitude, worked really hard, but in football there was no real direct return on that, that there might be someone that was better than me or they might have needed a different position and so someone else got promoted whereas I think when I went to PT it was almost like you work this hard you kind of reap the rewards you'll get more clients you'll make more of an impact and stuff like that and I think that was never more true than during lockdown that early on I just kind of thought well what else am I going to do here I can either shut up shop and stop or I can keep going and I'd love to say it was out of some deep down motivation but probably what I just thought I'm going to be bored if I don't work you know I'm going to struggle I'm not doing anything anyway I probably didn't realize how much of an impact that would have on the people I worked with but same as loads of people it was free Facebook workouts it was definitely a lot of time spent learning developing my craft that probably realizing okay I've now got a catch-up period on all these things I've missed out on did nutrition courses did a lot of courses on coaching and stuff like that and then it just sort of snowballed from there whereas you know even in that proper lockdown period I had loads of zoom sessions was busy started getting busier and busier um, and that coincided with I'd bought a lot of kit for myself and my mum and dad's lockdown project was to build a bit of a summer house and then as lockdown started easing very slightly it just came to fruition that I could maybe use it as a gym in the short term because at this point all the gyms were still kind of shut and it, it just tied in very nicely and then probably it just took it to the next level where at that at one point I had spells where I was delivering like 60 one-to-one hours of Instagram coaching a week and yeah summer house the summer house yeah. back garden and it was nice it was like a wee sun trap I had yeah. a couple of bikes I had barbells and stuff and it just spiraled whereas partly I probably got a lot of new business because people never had anywhere else to go so it was a bit of fortune well, that's, that, that, that a lot takes of people a skill on it you're yeah. taking advantage of yeah, bad situations that, that sounds it. bad to me but, <laughs> it, but it's, it's true are, that the, like, there's people, people that, wanted it yeah. yeah yeah you're giving something that people can't get that's access it. to easily so that's it. there's and it gonna was, be demand it was probably that thing as well of a lot of the stuff i hadn't realized during lockdown that was making an impact because it wasn't a direct impact at that time, whereas people had obviously been following my stuff, they might have done the free workouts that were now like, oh yeah, I want to take that jump, get involved. And it probably, actually at that point, the, the thing that was going on then was I did consider online coaching as I'd moved into Elysium, it was something I was trying to do more. And I think lockdown just made me realize that it probably isn't the career path for me long-term, just the way my skill sets are, the things I enjoy doing, the things I don't enjoy doing, I think it was the sort of confirmation of that, especially when I got back to working with people face to face and stuff where I was like, no, do you know what? This is like what I enjoy doing. Like, obviously there's different elements to that and hopefully in the future I'll be able to blend a bit of both. But for that period in time, it made me realize that this is the route I want to go down is working with people in person. And I think like from those sessions that you're doing in the garden, you realize you're making an impact on people's lives. Like, indirectly, they might not tell you, but... I think that was the thing as well, that you two have probably experienced this in different ways over the last couple of years. It was probably the most as well people ever did tell you how much of an impact you were making because COVID had made them realise that, that before people probably just wandered along, like, they enjoyed their sessions without thinking of it, but I think when you were in that period where you hadn't seen anyone for months and stuff, coming to my back garden chatting to my mum and dad on the way in having us like made was, a big big impact on people yeah that, that's it it, it was really sure. like that quote i'm sure you'll have heard that we try and do here where your session is the best hour of someone's day yeah. it was probably never more true never than in that yeah. period of time it's funny because i think as well like, another thing 
like I, d- I definitely noticed that in lockdown and another thing I noticed even coming back from lockdown that was quite interesting was like I feel and we hunt like I 100% noticed it um, at, at KFIT as well where before lockdown people were members of the gym to like do the classes and like that was the main thing and then almost post lockdown memberships came back it was kind of getting back to normal but the class numbers were so low but everyone was there for the open gym and it was almost like over that lockdown period people had they're like oh yeah i'll just do push-ups and stuff at home and then they get bored of that and they start doing stuff like free workouts from people that like people who wrote it who actually know what they're doing and making it more interesting and then people would i found anyway people were seeing more progression and then they come back to the gym and they're like oh like if i'm doing that at home and i was doing good and making progression why should i not do that in the gym and I saw a huge change from like people doing classes to people going to the gym, having their phone and looking at a program. And I was like, that's probably well, yeah, off the back of yeah. that kind of stuff. Period, and also like the classes, I think the hard part was people like integrating again. Like mm. remember, everything's been like, oh, I can't touch you. That's totally. I can't be within like, that's the hardest part. So it backs up Blair's point. The classes pro- were probably the quietest thing, but in the back of your head, you're thinking, it's gonna get back to normal. Everything will come back to normal one day, and it, it is well on its way. It's just trust yeah. and I think that it's gonna happen. I think that's it as well. That I don't know what you feel like, but I felt like the standard of the fitness industry rose a little bit over lockdown. Maybe it was just that we saw more of the good stuff. But as you say, it was like people were forced to actually. Well, now you have to put out good quality workouts. Yeah. You have to be creative with the right tools when people are at home without kit and stuff. That. I think as well it probably it sounds bad to say but it blew away a lot of the rubbish of the people who were in it as that sort of like hobby thing where it's like well i'm not making any money from it now you know it's going to be yeah, hard yeah, to build yeah, back yeah, up yeah, i'll go yeah. and get a career as whatever, whatever else, else whereas yeah. the ones that were in it if they stuck with it through that period were probably here to stay which you would imagine at least means they're a bit more invested mm-hmm. in it as well no for sure i i definitely noticed that like yeah the people who made it through made it through sounds a bit excessive but do you know what i mean yeah. like, no, I, I know what you mean <laughs> but, but like but like yeah yeah like they if you were if you weren't fully invested in it you probably would have given up and just thought you know what i don't actually care for this that much i'm more than happy to go get some security somewhere else and do the job 100 percent. but then i also think now everyone's an online coach <laughs> yeah <laughs> go on any anyone's instagram bio who's bt they're also an online, online coach, coach. <laughs> so it's funny but definitely i think some people probably would have ducked out at that point so coming out the back of lockdown um spoken about that what made you think right i'm gonna open my own gym yeah i suppose it goes from how did it, it how did it go from the summer shed to this that we're in today so probably to rewind a bit i'd actually forgot about that but just before lockdown i had bid on a unit that uh, i don't think you would have ever been able to call it pre-lockdown i don't think you ever would have been able to call it a gym but it was a unit of sorts and i'm so glad i didn't get that because what i thought would work just definitely wouldn't have but i'd obviously had that idea previously yeah lockdown hadn't it hadn't like solidified that i wanted to do it it was probably more that I didn't want to go back into another gym. I think that was probably the big one initially that set me on that path was doing it in the garden, not, pay, not paying rent, doing yeah. it on my own terms, deciding what kit I wanted made me think I, I really am keen not to go back into a gym if I can avoid it. And again, it was that thing of like opportunity out a sort of hard time for yeah, people yeah. was that I had built up numbers of clients where it's like, okay, this might be possible. So I just thought, I'll have a look. That's all I can do at this point. Um, found a couple of sites that, again, had been rejected for. Um, at this point, we must have been sort of August, September 2020. And it was getting to the point where I was like, I've not got that much longer in the garden gym before it maybe starts getting start colder, dying out. Dying yeah. out yeah. And yeah. that sort of willingness from people dies out. So I was on the look, but kind of thinking, it might be that I have to have to go back and work in a gym again um, and it was around this point that I was away with my girlfriend's family uh, and her stepdad is very 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 successful and he sort of said well no I think it sounds a good idea I think you should kind of go for it and that was the seal of approval that I thought I'm going to make a real push for this before it kind of been just looking like Coming hoping home, something yeah. came up and it just so happened that when I was on that trip, um, this gym here came up and it was the one I had originally worked at where my first job was, which A, was a nice sort of quirk of fate, but mm-hmm. B, circumvented a lot of the problems I was having in that 
the hardest things about building a gym are sort of planning for mission, changing rooms, showers, all that kind of stuff that various sites I'd looked at was just proven too difficult, too costly, too time consuming. So here I kind of had that. So I thought, oh, well, you know, I'll go and have a look. I can only see what it's like. At that point, I actually thought the space would be far too big for what I was looking for. But were you looking for a gym or you were looking for like a a private studio? So at first, like the first one I bid on before lockdown and then even after it was sort of private studio very much and then i was like well you know private studio but i could maybe have one member of staff or maybe have like a physio that pays rent stuff like that and it was probably around this time i did as well invest in a few mentors and stuff who kind of pushed me down the path of actually why don't you try and make this a gym why don't you try and make this a business and just going through probably the theme of of what i've done I found the right people and then just leached them for every bit of information I could get. I was part of various groups. I read Facebook forums from private gym owners for hours on end. I would just message them out of the blue on Instagram. Probably really annoying, but <laughs> found out everything there was to know about running a sort of like semi-private training facility gym and just thought, well, actually, like that could work. Like, I don't see any reason that couldn't work. The space is big enough all that kind of thing and then the dice has just kind of fell into place from there for this place nice that was a good like sum up because <laughs> i think that does play a major part in that question i asked post lockdown because we're sat in the gym today for those obviously can't see us on the podcast but we're sat in elevate he's not today. getting the video so anything <laughs> not joe rogan yet. Uh, no. nearly, nearly there. <laughs> um, so yeah post lockdown uh, you've got the gym, yeah, I'm guessing. That was signed, signed wasn't, sealed, delivered wasn't kind of thing? that easy a process <laughs> with gym. Not like that it was particularly difficult. I think I just was very naive about how legal things, stuff like that, worked. That there's an awful lot that goes into that yeah. that you need to sort of protect yourself. And I think that was the first eye-opener I got of, hang on a minute, this is very much a business as much as it is a gym, that you have to go into this with your eyes open, that this isn't going to be training people that there's going to be more to it than that so i actually think looking back on it it's probably a blessing that it wasn't straightforward because it did mean i went in with my eyes more open than they yeah. might otherwise have. because it was almost like i know when i'm even saying this it sounds too good to be true that like you get this garden gym as sort of a bit of fortune a bit of hard work you go back to the original gym you worked at it's probably at a decent deal because of lockdown all that kind of stuff that it might have been that same sort of thing in football where it's almost too easy that you just walk into this whereas yeah, I think yeah. the sort of struggles I had getting my hands on it working out what exactly to do with it definitely helped ground me going into it I think I mean personally for me I learn from like the hard way that's the way I like to learn so I'd rather be told direct I'd rather make a mistake that kind of way rather than like oh ease yourself into like a situation and you get so far in and you're like oh shit I made a mistake back then but I'd rather learn the hard way and it sounds like you getting this gym let's say getting it signing the deal all that and learning that it's not just your passion like your passion is going to fuel you forever it's the business side to it that you need to think right although it shouldn't be about money but everything you have to Think about money nowadays. That's it. We, we you need to balance the two. Totally. We went as a sidetrack, but I was at um, Eleco who make loads of gym equipment. For those who don't know, I got invited to their factory a couple of weeks ago with a few other gym owners, and their CEO gave us a presentation, and he basically said, these are our profit targets. We would release these publicly because we need to make that much profit to be able to reinvest and improve the product. And I think it is that a lot of like, people in the fitness industry are scared to talk about money and stuff and it is understandable but I think you need to make that to be able to afford to go on these courses to be able to improve your service to be able to buy a new kit and I think that's it as much honestly yeah and it is there it's like if the coaches aren't fulfilled and able to live their life they're obviously not going to give as good a service to yeah, the people yeah. they work with so I, I think that's important to get your head around which was a big thing for me that it wasn't just we can train people for this much we can sell smoothies for this much and we'll make this much that there's a lot more that goes into it it's all all the hidden stuff you see all the hidden costs like your lawyer's fees your everything stuff you don't don't think about your fixed costs like bloody lighting and you know you don't think you don't think about stuff like that there is i was listening to the do you know the the guy the ceo of brewdog 
James Watt. Oh, he was on that as well. I've not listened. It's on my list. Yeah, I heard it. So I was listening to that yesterday and today, and actually he makes a very good point that's relevant here, where he says apparently Stephen Bartlett brought it up, but I think it's James Watt. He wrote it in his book where he said the one like takeaway that everyone should have from this, especially if you're like a small business owner, is like always know your finances. And he says that's probably one of the big, like most small businesses will just, exactly what you just said, is like, oh yeah, we'll train people for this much, we'll sell smoothies for this much, we'll do this at the next thing. But he's like, if you don't have a clear view of everything coming in and then where it needs to be allocated to then go out and go to the right places, he's like, that's why they'll fail. And like, it kind of matches exactly what you're saying there. Like, you uh, need to know. No, definitely. Like, you should know, I mean, because I think from a PT's perspective, it, it's so easy to like you don't. It's easy to keep on top of your finances because all you do is, especially if you're self-employed, you just pay your rent, yeah. do your sessions, you get paid. That's yeah, it. That is so you might that. you might pay true coach. Yeah, there's not a lot to it. There's nothing there, yeah. right? You could probably count on both hands like how many outgoings you have. But as soon as it becomes a gym, yeah. it's a different story. I can imagine. Yeah. <laughs> well, it sounds like a very low scale, but the other day, I just work. I worked out some cost that I had some debit direct debits in my account and it's like Christ it, 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 it adds up without you realising they're just coming out at different times and like you need to know your finances yeah. like, but, it's, but that's, it is, uh, it's, it's not me being naive it's just it's, it's not it's not me thinking you need to I, th- I think it's, it's one of these it's kind of what you said though is like I think you can be so well prepared but you don't know until you know that uh, until yeah, yeah, you yeah, get yeah, these yeah, like yeah. You, you don't think that our email service costs 11 pound a month that you don't know Cost to have a podcast, like just stuff yeah, like that yeah, that you, you can't possibly think about until you actually do it yeah, and incur yeah. those costs. And I think probably I'm sure we'll come on to it, but the biggest slice of luck I've had along the way, weirdly, was that a month after we opened the gym, we got put back into a five month lockdown, which was so fortunate because <laughs> it kind of I don't think many people will ever get this where they're able to open a business, see how it works for five weeks and then have five months to go and fix all the problems they've seen in that time, whereas, you know, normally your head's just constantly, like, just trying to stay above water, mm. whereas I had then that period to say, okay, like, I kind of understand the cost a bit more now, I understand how much we're going to have to make, I understand what our training programme needs to look like, which was, at the time, it didn't feel it, obviously, but probably one of the best things that happened to us. Like a free... Uh Three week trial. Yeah, yeah. Like, <laughs> I don't like this. <laughs> <laughs> I just bail out at that yeah. point. So uh, yeah, we're talking about post lockdown into you know you're in your gym five weeks. You have that five month period. From then, what was your main takeaways? Like, what did you go right? Shit, I really need to change that. Probably twofold. I would say. Um, I would say in the gym was or to do with the gym I should say was definitely around sort of like marketing and having a bit of a system with that in place where our first 40 or 50 members were clients friends of clients stuff like that mm-hmm. and I just kind of realized like okay we're not going to be able to get the next 50 clients like that there's mm-hmm. going to be stuff we're ha- going to have to change so I spent a lot of my time during lockdown learning about marketing learning about social media learning about email lists all that kind of stuff um, so that, that was probably one of the biggest ones. And then I think it just strengthened that feeling I'd had already that in a post-COVID world, customer service, people were going to be at the heart of what happened, that people did miss that interaction. You know, It just strengthened my idea that us sending members birthday cards, us knowing them as people, us actually taking an interest in them was very much what was going to propel us forward as a business. That instead that, of just seeing them as a... Yeah, a instead of just seeing it as a transaction, that they're actually, we want to get them to buy into something. So I think that was probably the gym. And then personally, I think it was weirdly that I needed to try my best to have a life outside of the business that for that two months before we opened and then the five weeks we were open, it, it was just all consuming. I was up at four to get all the stuff I had to get done before I started at six. I'd finish at eight, half eight, I'd go home, I'd be too tired to actually even speak, crash out and just repeat. And it was like during lockdown when I actually got a chance to read, to go for walks, to do my own training again, it was like, yeah, it's going to be tough, but I need to keep some sort of balance with this yeah, where yeah, yeah. I've got more to my life than just running this it's, gym. It's the same, I mean, I wish I could say I'm in the same position as you, but like talking about balance, like I personally at the moment, I find it very hard to switch off from work and I don't know what that is it, it, and it will come with exper- more experience but I 
I couldn't imagine doing something I don't like yeah. and <sighs> not being able to switch off. Yeah. I'm in the fortunate position, or fortunate as in like I chose this, so I'm not really fortunate, but I am. Like I can switch off. Oh, sorry, I don't need to switch off from what I love. Like I actually love what I do. Mm. Um. So yeah, it's a it's a hard one because I'm not. It's not something I moan about to like my mom or or uh, my mates. Like I, I do like what I do, but the hardest part is just. Like I'm going on holiday next week and I'm thinking I'm going to get all everything done but I'm still going to have to look at some stuff you know I'm not I'm not going to entirely switch off but then again I'm thinking do I want to switch off though because I'll, I'll be at a disadvantage when I come back probably it's like that where I just put a post up on uh, social media talking about when people come back from holiday it's not when you're on holiday that's you're going to make the difference it's when you come back, back that yeah. buffer yeah. Um, that's when you're actually going to lose the ground so it's just knowing that you can't. I want to be in it all the time, but at the same time, I do want to switch off. And it, it, it comes better yeah. from experience, doesn't it? There's a good quote. I, I can't remember who said it, but Matt told me the other day where he's like, "When you're, like, you have to be truly off sometimes if you want to be truly on other times to like get in that balance between yeah. the two things." But I think it's super hard, and I think it's like you said, it's 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 probably harder <coughs> for. And this is gonna sound. I don't know might sound funny but it's probably harder for us because and other maybe other people who genuinely really love what they're doing versus like if i think about my old job when i was like a trainee accountant it was super easy to switch yeah. off as soon as it was 5 p.m i was like I'm, that's it yeah. I'm I'm so like whereas but now it's differently and like it's, i'll go through phases where obviously there's times where it's tough and like you maybe don't feel as motivated and as like it's not as passionate mm-hmm. about it but there's also times when like I'm like I can't fucking wait to get up next morning and like get shit done. Yeah, like no, I, I totally back that. Like yeah. we're probably all in the same boat in that situation because we're all motivated, we all love what we do. I mean, I want to help people change their perception oh. of it's. We talk. Me and Blair spoke about it in the last podcast. It's not just like a fad. It's not just something like you get involved in for twelve weeks or that. You need to change people's so identity. Yeah, totally. You know, that's that's probably the big thing. Was. You I want was, to change. I was going down that change. route of being like client I hated where it's like I don't have time to exercise I'm too tired my diet's not good because I was running myself into the ground and I'm like actually everything I'm telling people they can't do here I'm doing it and that was probably the big realisation where I was like I need to change something about this do you think that helped give you empathy towards that I've said it the, the best thing that ever happened for me as an actual coach taking away you know everything else is be a, I still don't like saying that but being like a quote unquote business owner because I can relate to them so much more that there is yeah, now yeah, times yeah. where I'm like, before I probably said I understood them when they're like, I'm tired, I'm stressed, I've got stuff going on. Yeah. But now I actually do understand. I, I yeah. totally understand. Like sometimes they come in and their session needs to be quite light because it's yeah. like my brain's frazzled from everything going on, yeah. or where it's like I'm better resting today, or I need to have something booked in so it forces me to do it mm-hmm. i'd probably never really encountered any of that before where it was like yeah i totally get that now that why it, it has it to be comes this back way. to that point you made it's not just the transaction with the person if you have build a relationship mm-hmm. with them then you understand right i need to lay off them a yeah. bit today yeah. and give them what they actually need, what they need instead yeah. of what they want yeah. uh, that's a big thing 100 percent. i think that even ties back to what we we're saying about like even how in lockdown you know the the kind of maybe people that cared a little bit more and were willing to do a little bit extra kind of stuck around and then because I think if you do build those relationships and like something that I always like say to myself and like you know I know everyone's heard it before but is I'll always want to be in a position where anyone I'm working with feels like I'm over delivering compared to like what like maybe not necessarily compared to what they're paying but just compared to everything else so it's kind of like how can you like always sort of trying to manifest that reaction from from them and I think doing that is like actually getting to know them and like making an effort to just like randomly even for me like from an online perspective like just like if i see one of my client's stories i'll probably react to it and be like oh like and just chat to them yeah. there and then rather than just not, like doing uh-huh. nothing and again not just the transaction is it like yeah. all my online clients now i'm at a stage where i've not really got many new ones that pop up every so often i've retained a lot of my clients they're all my mates as well like i speak you know it's like the chat isn't just about the gym yeah. And that's what I think the biggest thing people struggle with is like that relationship, like to get on with someone, you need to learn about them, not just how much you're lifting in the gym today. Um, so that's good. Um, we're getting near the end. Last little bit. Gym owner, 24 years old. It comes with its challenges. Yeah, definitely does. What, 
what's next? Like, so obviously, you know, we've spoken about all the hidden things that we first got involved in when we got the gym, but what's the next step? Because obviously, also for the listeners, what's the gym called? Where can they find yeah. it? Uh, so we're Elevate Ninety Eight. We're a sort of small group personal training gym. So we train people groups a maximum of four, and then we supplement that with classes. So it's just nice. It's a pretty common model elsewhere. It's not that common here for one reason or another. But I think it's just nice because it allows us to build that kind of community spirit because people are yeah, yeah totally it's like we've got four coaches and so the members know each of the coaches really well the coaches know each of the members really well because it's small groups mm. you get chatting to other members you get to know them you see the same kind of faces again and again and then we try and do stuff like we had members down at turf games we had people doing fitness competitions we had 10 15 members doing the marathon and stuff like that yeah. that just strengthens that connection to the gym and the, the big thing we try and go for and we're not saying it's easy but we wanted to give people something that was hopefully a little bit more consistent and a bit more of a lifestyle rather than you know a 30-day transformation or a six-week challenge or a six-week shred or anything like that that i think they are such good things in the hands of the right people but for us we were probably targeting people that were sort of yo-yo dieters or were yo-yo exercisers where it was like actually hopefully we can provide something where they can stick to it. Mm. That's exactly what we spoke about last episode. That's what he's pointing out. Well, yeah, I, I laughed when Sean was speaking just there because I just looked at Blair and I was just like nodding my head because that's exactly what we want. Oh, thank God. I thought you were laughing because no, 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 has no, a 30-day no, transformation challenge. I was like, oh, no. I was trying to backtrack. I was trying to... No, no. Like, we, we spoke about that in the last podcast. Like, it shouldn't be just a... A 12, challenge, a transformation challenge. It, it's 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 a lot bigger than that. Yeah. Personally, I, mean, I feel like we get, we get immersed in it obviously because it's like we see a lot more what what goes on like in fitness in the maybe what the average person does. But I personally feel that definitely there is more of a shift now though. Yeah. People are more invested for the long term yeah. versus maybe like five years ago. I think definitely the people we have here certainly say a lot more of the sort of right things yeah. about like. I'm doing it because I want to feel better, I want to be healthier, I want to be able to do this and that, rather than I want to weigh this or I want yeah, to look yeah, a certain yeah, yeah. way. Which, as I say, like there's nothing wrong with in the right context yeah, of, yeah. of doing it alongside other things, but definitely I think you are seeing that across the industry as a whole where people have got slightly longer-term goals and mm-hmm. it's less transformational. Yeah, transformational. So talking about longer-term goals, what's yeah, the future? So just now our... Our big sort of other project is about 10 weeks ago, I started my first cohort of the level three personal training course. So we are teaching people to be personal trainers. And I don't know what your two's opinion, but I think most people, it's pretty universal that the course just now isn't great in most places. And we had that sort of higher end goal of like, can we train people to be better PTs? And the selfish goal of it's also a way to future proof ourselves staff wise. So it was kind of a dual benefit to that. We are probably at a stage now where we have at least earned the right to be looking at what's next. You know, at the start, it was very much like, let's just be really good at what we do here. Let's build ourselves to a certain point. We're probably now at that point where we're saying, okay, is the next step a second facility? Is it a bigger facility? Is it trying to do some sort of hybrid model? And truth be told, I, I don't know what that looks like, but I definitely think we are probably within a year or two of sort of the next move as such what what exactly that looks like you know we've obviously got ideas but so much of it again will depend on what our clientele needs and wants what the market's there for there's loads of things to consider with it and so i think that i'm very fortunate here got a really really good team and just keen to continue building that giving them more and more responsibility and stuff like that Uh, and then Potentially in the not too distant future, adding another member to the team at some point would be yes. a, well, yeah, no, an exciting one. So we're three full time staff, so it would be our four plus myself. So it would be. And is that that's just a gradual thing, isn't it? That's one at a time. Yeah, pre- pre- pretty much. So we had because they were part time, we had two, uh, Mikey and Begbie at the start, who sort of split it, and then just one went full time, then the next, and then the next. So we're at we're at three, and as I say, it's probably getting to a point over the last sort of six weeks where it's been busy enough that we're at least having those conversations yeah. with what's the the next step after this uh, and then i think for us it's just probably trying to look at edinburgh first of, of just trying to dominate the bits of what we do you know we're not trying to compete 
in certain cycles, I think our biggest strength is we know the type of people we attract. We know what we're good at. We're not trying to sort of fight people for the clients yeah. that aren't the right fit for us. So I think it's just doing that on a bigger scale here first. And then it's just whether what we have here, how we expand that without losing what's good about it. Because I think so much of what's good about it is that it's personal, that we get on with members and stuff. And it's just finding the right balance of growing quickly and challenging ourselves without growing so fast that we drop the ball on certain things with the current site. Nice. Last question. I'm this nervous is a, for this, this is now. The, this is the money maker. Um, everything you've learned from now, okay, what, from all the events, all the things that have happened to you that have you learned the most from? Like, you could walk away and be like, right, that thing or that event changed me as a person. That, that time in my life. That's a big question. Hard question. Um, I think probably not so much one specific time, and I don't know if it's been mentioned on the podcast before, but it's probably the, I think it's Atomic Habits of that you should be more <laughs> more concerned with your current trajectory than your current results. Yeah. I, I think definitely in the the sort of planning stages of the gym, even going back to football, I, I think realizing that the work you do now will pay off further down the line rather than immediately is really worth it. And I've learned it in lots of different ways. You know, I've yeah, learned yeah. it when paying attention to detail when we designed the gym and it didn't seem that important. I've learned it with people who we interacted with on social media that didn't sign up, but then six months later did sign up and have been members for a year since that yeah, it's yeah, yeah. the work you put in now isn't necessarily gonna it's that's that's a better way of putting it. I think the quote is that the day you plant the flower isn't the day it gr- isn't the day the tree grows. That's yeah, the one. So it's like that's so it, it, it's just having that longer term. Paying it forward. Paying it forward. Yeah, yeah, I like that. I like that. Um, and then I think definitely the other thing is, again, it's probably a totally common used one on stuff like this, but definitely paying for mentors or people in the right places. That that's, I think my biggest strength over the years has never been afraid to ask questions of just like ask people how did you do that how did you learn that where did you look for that and i think, I think that helps um, i think recently a lot of people do notice it all three of us have had i mean i've just finished coming to the closer one a coaching course blaz has got a mentor you've done mentor courses is cpd and for people that don't know what that is continued professional development i think last couple of years in particular there's a huge importance on it don't my biggest thing is my I'm I'm so scared of it is being stale like mm. just not progressing in life because like I can I was thinking today like I can remember my birthday last September like it was yesterday and like that's a year that's nearly a year gone and like time goes so fast so like just don't go stale um but yeah thank you very much for that Sean yeah, I cheers. really thank really enjoyed that me. chat and yeah, hopefully giving people a little bit of an insight into the demands of professional sport not just football and how it's a similar career a sport and how it's t- turned into a passion a hobby and now elevate 98 so where can people find you in the gym and so i'm sean mccurdy 98 on instagram social media uh, then we're elevate 90 on instagram all other social media and it's just www.elevate90.co.uk and where's the gym based we're in Meadowbank. We're right beside Meadowbank Retail Park in Edinburgh. Perfect. All right. Pleasure. Thank you very much. Thank you very much, Sense.